Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Two days ago on, on Friday, I took my three oldest kids skiing at the Porkies, downhill skiing. Uh, we had a wonderful time. The conditions were just perfect. All that fresh powder and snow. We had a, an absolute blast. But before taking three young kids on a day-long ski trip, you got to prepare. And as the father, it's kind of my responsibility to make sure that everything is prepared well. And so I told my kids, all right, guys, gather up all your stuff, get your things ready, you know, and so get your wool socks and your wool base layer and your warm layer and your, and your snow pants and your coats and your face masks and your thin mittens and your thick mittens and your goggles and your water bottles and your snacks. And after they did all that, I double-checked to make sure that they got it all. But then as father, I had other responsibilities too, I had to pack food for their lunches and make sure I had my wallet and my ski pass and that the van had gas in it. And they, the kids were renting, but I had to bring my skis and poles and boots and helmet and all of the things. And normally I'm the one in the family in the parental household who's the one who forgets stuff. So the pressure was added on me to make sure things were well prepared. But once you go on a trip like this, once you get everything prepared and everything's ready to go, then you know it's time. It's time to go. Well, we're reading through the Gospel of Matthew this Lent here at Saints Peter and Paul. Uh, If you don't yet have a journaling Bible for the Gospel of Matthew, pick one up after church. And if you have one, I hope that you're bringing it with you to to church, and and we're going to engage with it here in just a minute. But here at St. Peter and Paul, we're journeying through the Gospel of Matthew in deep ways. On Wednesdays, we're watching the Gospel of Matthew in a video where the actors act it out, and the narrator narrates the words from the Bible verbatim. So you can be following, following along with the written Scripture as you're seeing it acted out, and it, it just changes the way that you see things. And so on Wednesday, we watched chapters 1 through 4, and then we've given you the assignment to engage with every page of this, to write and underline, to circle things, to ask questions, jot notes. And so I pray that you're doing that on a daily basis. In Matthew chapters 1 through 4, we see the things that were prepared in advance of Jesus' arrival on the scene. Now, this may not surprise you, but God knows what He's doing. God knows what He's doing. He is perfectly prepared for the task at hand. And in this sermon today, I want to demonstrate to you how it is that God prepared for Jesus' arrival and what it is that He prepares. So first of all, God prepares the setting. God prepares the setting. Take your journaling Bible, if you've got it, open it up to Matthew chapter 1. It's right here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Chapter 1 of Matthew is the genealogy of Jesus. And this, if, if you ever read the Bible, this is the kind of stuff that maybe you just skip over because it's a whole list of names. 
Matthew, in writing this, is not giving an exhaustive list of every single member in Jesus' genealogy, but he's making a point. And he's demonstrating two main things. And it's right in verse 1. If you've got a pen or a highlighter, you, uh, you should underline or circle these things. This is the point. This is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The son of David and the son of Abraham. Verses 2 through 6 talk about Abraham's lineage, and verses 6 through 11 talk about David's lineage. Now, this is highly significant that Jesus is the son of Abraham and the son of David, and Matthew's making a point. The Jewish people believed that the Messiah would come from the lineage of Abraham and would come from the lineage of David. Abraham's lineage, if you, if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 12, God made a covenant with Abraham that all nations of the earth would be blessed through Abraham, that all of his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. So the Jewish people thought very, very highly of Abraham and their lineage and connection to Abraham. So Matthew's proving the point, Jesus comes from the lineage of Abraham. But the Jewish people also looked for the lineage of David because from David's line would come the promised king of all kings, the one who would sit on the throne forever and ever. And so Jesus is not only an, an heir to the promises of Abraham, but he's also an heir to the promises to David, the throne and so here is the setting. Jesus is the one to fulfill both of these things, Abraham's line and David's line. But also the setting goes beyond Jesus' own family lineage. In chapters 1 and 2 of Matthew, we see that Jesus is setting the stage from place to place to place. And all of these places are in order to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. Let me just make a side note here. Here's something you can pay attention to in the Gospel of Matthew. Something that you can underline as you're reading along. Pay attention to how many times Matthew says this was done to fulfill what was written by the prophets or something of the sort. Over and over again, Matthew quotes Old Testament prophecy and shows how Jesus fulfills it. So as you're reading, just notice the times that Matthew says, this was according to the prophet. And it's not written in here, but you can give yourself a little homework and, and even go on Google and type in those words and say, where is this in the Old Testament? And then go find that Old Testament prophecy, read that in context, and, and write it down in your scripture. This is referencing this part of the Old Testament. Now here are some things that were being fulfilled in the setting. Jesus was born in Bethlehem to fulfill Old Testament prophecy where the Savior, the King, would be born. Jesus and his family fled to Egypt when Herod was going to kill all the children in Bethlehem because out of Egypt, God would call his son, fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. When they came back from Egypt, the, Herod's son was ruling and reigning, and they were scared of him, so they didn't want to go to Jerusalem. They went to a region of Nazareth to fulfill the prophecy that the Savior would be called a Nazarene. The setting was set by God. God perfectly prepares 
the setting. And God prepares the people. God prepares the people who will be directly meeting Jesus. He works on their hearts and their minds and their lives to receive Jesus. Let me give you a couple of examples of people who we see. First of all, Mary and Joseph themselves, the parents of Jesus. If you ask them right away, when this unexpected pregnancy showed up miraculously, they were not prepared. They didn't feel like it. Uh, we know that Joseph was an honorable and just man, but he was, he was scared, he was freaked out. They were young, they were not married, they're not supposed to have a baby. He was going to divorce Mary, leave her, save her dignity. But we see that an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph to prepare him for the task at hand. Now, an angel also appears to Mary, but we don't read about that in Matthew's gospel. We read about it in Luke's gospel. Luke tells us more of Mary's story. Matthew tells us more of Joseph's story. So here in Matthew, an angel shows up to Joseph and changes Joseph's mind and his heart and essentially says to him, Joseph, I'm prepared for this task. Everything is set. And because I'm prepared, you're prepared. (laughs) God is preparing the hearts and minds of Mary and Joseph. Who else does he prepare? He prepares the wise men in chapter 2 of Matthew. These magi from the east, from hundreds of miles away, they were being prepared in advance. They had spent their lives dedicated to looking at the stars And they knew that when this one star appears, it means that the king who will rule and reign forever and ever has been born. How did they know? Because they had been prepared for this. And so when the star appears, they go. God is preparing people for the arrival of Jesus. God prepares John the Baptist, who then prepares the way for Jesus. We read today in our Old Testament lesson from Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. You can jot that down in your scripture Bible by Matthew chapter 3. As John the Baptist comes onto the scene, he's fulfilling Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, which is the very last verse in the Old Testament. The very last word of the Old Testament said that Elijah would come before the day of the Lord. And after Malachi wrote his words, there is 400 years of silence in the Bible between the time that Malachi finishes writing and that Jesus shows up on scene. So these are the final words they get before Jesus shows up. Look for Elijah before the day of the Lord. So for 400 years, the Jewish people have been looking for Elijah. If you don't remember the Old Testament story, Elijah was a prophet who never died. He was taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire. And so the Jewish people were like, okay, I guess he's got to come back at some point. Well, John the Baptist fulfills this role. John comes as this promised one of Elijah to prepare the way of the Lord. And we know this, that John is fulfilling it Because later, you'll read it in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus himself will say, John was the one who fulfilled that role. So John comes onto the scene to prepare the way of the Lord. He was prepared by God 
to prepare the way of the Lord. God is preparing people. Even Jesus himself was prepared. Even Jesus himself was prepared. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was prepared to face the temptation of the devil and to stand strong. We don't know much, according to Matthew, about the early days of Jesus' life, the first 30 years of his life. We don't really know what happened. But we can assume it was 30 years of preparation. As a good Jewish boy, Jesus would have been raised to know the Old Testament scriptures, the Torah, the writings, the Psalms, the prophets. He would have known these things and memorized them and committed them to his heart. Yes, he is God in the flesh, but as human, he would have been raised to know these things. And we know that when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was in a weakened state, the devil gave Jesus a temptation that Jesus could have everything that he wanted. And Jesus stood that test of temptation because he was prepared, and he refuted and he rebutted every temptation of the devil by declaring the very word of God to the devil. And the devil had to relent because he cannot stand up to the word of God. God prepares the setting. God prepares the people. God prepares the time. At just the right time, Jesus was born. That's what we read in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 today. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a virgin, born of the woman, born into this world, at just the right time, at just the right time, Jesus was born into this world. When everything was just right, when things were perfectly prepared, God sent his son. Why then? Why at that time? Why in Israel? Why in that place? Why to these people? Do you ever wonder those things? Why did, why did Jesus come then to those people at that time? Well, we don't know the answer to that question. Only God knows. But I got thinking about this this week, and I was thinking, what if Jesus came now? What if he was born now into 21st century America? What would things be like? I think it would be a disaster. It would be a train wreck. I mean, imagine this. I I think... uh, Even if Jesus didn't create it himself, he would probably have multiple YouTube channels dedicated to following him around. There would be a social media presence like like none other, for better and for worse. And Jesus would probably be executed, if nothing else but by the cancel culture of 21st century America for all the hard sayings that he brought into this world. So, it was just the right time 2,000-some years ago to be born when he was, where he was, because God had set the stage, God had prepared the people, and it was just the right time. And, my friends, God prepares you. God prepares you, therefore you are perfectly prepared for the life that God has in store for you. You are prepared 
Not necessarily because you've done the preparation, but you're prepared because God is prepared. Just like I took my kids on the ski trip, they were prepared partially on their own, but mostly because I was the one prepared for them. If it was just left to them, somebody would have forgotten a boot or a hat or a mitten or something. They were prepared because I was prepared. You are prepared for the work that God has prepared for you, not because of what you've done, but because of his preparation in your life. And here's what I mean. You're prepared for the work God has for you to do. And I don't just mean your job. I don't just mean the place you get a paycheck. However, he's also involved there. I mean, God has prepared in advance for you the work that there is to do to make his name known in this world, to do the good works he's established in advance for you. God has prepared your setting. God has prepared people in your life to meet you so they can meet Jesus. God has prepared you to be born into this world at this time, in this place, for the people in this world that you interact with. God has prepared it all in advance. We read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared in advance for us, that we should walk in them. God has prepared in advance for us the good works for us to do, so that we may walk in them. God's prepared this work for you. Now, you might say to me, oh, pastor, but I don't know the Bible well enough. It's the first time I'm ever reading Matthew. I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know the answers. I, I'm not even comfortable praying out loud. You're prepared because God is prepared. You're prepared because God is prepared. Don't believe me? Go to the very end of Matthew chapter 4. The last section of Matthew chapter 4, our reading for this week, Jesus calls the very first two sets of his disciples. Peter and Andrew, James and John, two sets of brothers, both fishermen. Jesus sees them fishing and he says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They do. They drop everything and they follow Jesus. Did they know what they were getting into? I don't know. But they trusted Jesus with their lives. And what we will see as we read through the Gospel of Matthew is Jesus is going to put these guys into some situations where they don't feel prepared. They come begging and pleading Jesus for answers. And Jesus reminds them, I'm with you. You are prepared because I'm prepared. God is the one who prepares the setting for the arrival of Jesus, but also for your arrival. God is the one who prepares the people to meet Jesus, but also to meet you. God's the one who prepares the time for Jesus to be born and for you to be born. And God has prepared you to step into this world with the name of Jesus. I encourage you to pay attention to this week to the things that God has prepared in advance of you that you may walk into them. I think you'll be amazed. And now as we continue reading in Matthew this week, 
in chapter 5 and moving on, the stage has been set. Jesus is center stage. The spotlight is on him. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. In his name, amen. Please rise if you are 